0: Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. Hi, I'm Paul Listick, and welcome to Behind the Curtain.
1: Milton, I just don't think this part is right for me. Why not? Well, like I said, I've never played the other woman before. Now, the public accepts me in a certain image, and I just don't think I can be convincing in this role.
0: Convincing? Are you kidding? Rudy, you'd be great. Do you think I'd let you do anything that might hurt your image or jeopardize your career just to get you in my picture?
1: Yes, I do.
0: Well, that's beside the point. Oh, a classic clip of Milton Berle, of course. That was from the Lucy Show. But the real reason you heard that clip was because it's one of my early memories uh, as a young man of the great star Ruta Lee, um, because she was in several Lucy shows. And 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 and, uh, but if you know her from a bunch of different places, you're right because I can't think of a thing she hasn't done. She is the author of a new book, looking back on her career, called "And I Can Say This With Permission: Consider Your Ass Kissed by the Great Ruta Lee." And you know, Ruta, I have to tell. You, when my engineer called you, he said, "Gow, he she sounds just like I remember her." Thanks for joining me.
1: Oh, I am so happy to be with you, and thank you for sharing your audience with me. I'm I'm so delighted and pleased to speak with you. Um, you are of what descent, Paul? What nationality? Way back when?
0: Ah, and this, of course, ties into you. But I, Russia. All of my grandparents are from Russia. And yeah, was, uh was you of Lysnick course a
1: longer name at some point, like Liznitsky or something.
0: My understanding is this Lisnik means forester in Russian, and it is spelled differently in some different countries. Um, but, um, but yeah, but, but basically, my people lived in the trees, apparently, is what that all meant. And you, by the way, were known. In fact, if we see Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, we actually see your name not as Ruta Lee, but as Ruta Kilmonis. So, Kilmonis, that's why yours, which I
1: think my real name, and that's kind of a funny story in that, um, when MGM realized that they had a real winner on their hands with Seven Brides, because none of the money went into that movie. It all went into
0: Brigadoon.
1: And uh, they wanted to send out all the girls on a tour, which they did, and I went on. And they came to me and said, you'll never be a star with a name like Ruta Kilmonis. And I said, (laughs) oh, okay. So we kicked around a lot of names, and somebody said Ruta Lee. Well the diminutive of ruta in Lithuanian or Russian or Polish or German or Yiddish or whatever is rutelė. And so I thought rutelė, Lee. that sounds pretty good. Let's go with that. So I hey, By the way, ruta you could And you then been of one course, of those... what happens is after all this PR, somebody at the studio forgot to mention it to the guy doing the credits and Ruta Lee suddenly was Ruta Kilmonis. Now you know all those people All over Ames, Iowa and Canada were saying, who the hell was that girl that was here? (laughs)
0: I li- And by the way, reading your book is literally a walk through your life because all the stories are in there. It is story after story. I loved it so much. And even back in the name days, I don't want to spend too much time on that. But they, they thought you might be Rita, maybe you Ruta. You could have been one of those. You could have been like Share, one of those people with a with a one name thing. Because I don't know any other Ruta except you. I
1: probably should have done exactly that and just said Ruta, uh, Ruta in Lithuanian, of course, which is my background is a very fragrant flowering herb that grows all over Eastern Europe, but it happens to be the symbol of Lithuania, much the way the maple leaf is to Canada, or perhaps the rose is to England, and uh, theater curtains are embroidered with it. Uh, Brides wear garlands of it in their hair when they get married. Um, It's sung about in every song. Poets write about ruta, and so I wanted to keep that name. It was very very special, very traditional, and I started realizing in my youth how important having roots in other countries is, you know, that you bring the best of whatever your heritage is to the blessed United States and everything works out for the best.
0: Well, people that hear your name, some of them are tying into those classic movies you did, Witness for the Prosecution, Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, depending on their age and what they're into. Other people are going, I used to see her on uh, game shows. Yes, you did. Uh, A ton of different game shows. There isn't anything you didn't do, and anybody in Hollywood you didn't work with or know. And the great part of it is you dish on all of them in this book. So I couldn't wait to get from person to person, including some of my favorites like Lucy, who was a good friend of yours. But I want to just a couple of stories from your early days, because I, of course, as a kid, went to Grauman's Chinese Theater and I love sort of looking at the, 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 the footsteps and the handprints and everything, and you have the, the proud uh, history of getting fired from Grommets.
1: <laughs> well, I was in high school going to Hollywood High. I was lucky enough to get a job at the creme de la creme of theaters when they had ushers and usherettes. Now, nobody even knows what that is anymore, but I'd stand at the top of the aisle with my flashlight and show people down to whatever seats they wanted to go to. And then I could stand there and watch the queens, you know, Betty Grable and June Haver and Mitzi Gaynor strut their stuff on the beautiful silver screen in color. And I'd pray to God to let me do that someday. I really wanted to do that. Then I got promoted to Candy Girl. Now, Paul, I have to tell you, (laughs) math has never been my long suit. I mean, I, I stink at adding and subtracting numbers. However... I could deal with everything because it was in increments of 5 and 10, you know, 10 cents, 15 cents, 25 cents, 50 cents. I could deal with that. Then one night, the cashier in the box office got sick. So I got promoted to cashier, and I said, I can't. I can't do this. It's it's you know, $1.98, and I can't subtract, and I can't get out the right. And they said, no, no, no just punch in two tickets at a dollar ninety eight, then punch in 5 or $10, whatever they give you, and it'll give you the right change. Well, we were $40 short. <laughs> and I said, the machine gave it away. I didn't, you know. And they <laughs> fired me, and I said, you'll be sorry. One of these days I'll be back. Well, the dear Lord above must have heard my prayers, because where is my star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame? But directly in front of Grumman's Chinese box office.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's so classic. Isn't By the way, I spent heaven? my whole. Isn't that I... Oh, it's fantastic, Justice. Uh, I spent my whole youth as an usher at a movie theater, so I, I get that. And I don't know if you did the same trick we did. You were allowed to have free candy if the candy boxes were dented, so we had to make sure that several boxes got dented. Did you do that?
1: <laughs> oh, I never did that, but what a great idea! But yeah, I, think I, I love seem to remember that if you could sneak a couple of people in, it wasn't bad either. You know, if you open the fire right. door or whatever,
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, we can do a whole show about that. I've got we've got a million stories. but I love it. And I've got some that we, I can't say on the air, but they're great. You know, one of the things when I read your book, there, as I said, there is anybody Frank Sinatra, Marilyn Monroe. And we're going to talk about some of those folks. But something that I picked up, and these were your words, Ruda, not mine. I would say that I don't know anybody more ambitious than you in terms of tackling your career as you've done. And you make the point in the book, in fact, you're not ambitious. You're just a hard worker.
1: Yeah, I, I I'm I love to work, and I work very hard when I work, but I don't work very hard at getting the work. You know, and there are some people who are absolutely driven, and I think they do very, very well, and I, I sort of think that maybe... Uh, maybe I loused up. My husband used to say that if I spent 10% of the time on my career that I do on my do-good activities like the Thalians, you know, which is Hollywood for mental health, Yes, uh, that I could have told Barbara Streisand to get off the world, you know. But uh, <laughs> listen, I may not have had a superstardom career, but I've had a long, wonderful uh, you know, 60 years of working all the time and never really being out of a job for very long. And let's face it, show business is a tough business. Um, you are at the whim of other people all the time, other producers, other directors. It's never your own decision, you know, about how you're going to do it or where. And and so you have to be prepared for a lot of disappointment in our business. But, oh, boy, you got to also be prepared for a lot of laughs. I'm sure that there aren't nearly the laughs selling shoes or gasoline or cars that there is, or insurance, you know, that that we have in show business. We do laugh a lot.
0: And it, it, so much to talk. I need two hours with you at least, but I don't have it. Um, but uh, you have a story of of doing a screen test, essentially, because while you were watching Sinatra perform at Macombo and basically people were looking at you, and right that one—that's kind of how how you got into witness for the prosecution. You didn't even know yes, that is. they were it's watching. A wonderful
1: you. story. The, a producer. It, it was crowded and busy, and and Frank was playing, and I had never seen him uh, in in my youth. You know, I was too young to appreciate him. Uh, when he was at the Paramount in New York and girls were swooning and fainting. But I was swooning and fainting from the beautiful, unrequited love songs that he had recorded so gorgeously. And uh, I, I sat there directly under him because the orchestra, his orchestra, filled the stage. So he was on a tiny little dais in front of this, this uh, stage. And I was sitting directly under him, and obviously my mouth was hanging open because... Well, I don't know if you ever saw him, Paul, but he was mesmerizing. I did. Absolutely yeah. mesmerizing. Old Blue Eyes really had it. And a note came, and I was invited back. My, my escort took me back to meet this gentleman, and he said, Hello, this is my wife, and I am Arthur Hornblow, Jr. I'm producing a film called Witness for the Prosecution, and I just watched you watch Frank Sinatra and I've given you a very unique screen test. I think you'd make a very good love interest for Tyrone Power in my movie Witness for the Prosecution. And he said, can you come in and meet Billy Wilder? <laughs> and I said, is tomorrow too soon? And yeah. <laughs> uh, I went in, and and uh, Marlena Dietrich took one look at my blonde hair and said, Nick, nine. And I immediately became a brunette. And I'm so proud to say that I, I didn't star in it, but I was certainly a, a, a very integral part of of the script. Um, that th- this movie uh, and uh, Witness for the Witness for the Prosecution and uh, Seven Brides are named as two of the top movies ever made in Hollywood. Isn't yeah. that exciting?
0: And by the way, I was going to open with a clip from Seven Brides until I actually found that everybody, except for one person, everybody was dubbed. So we don't get you singing, right? Everybody was dubbed in that No, you
1: don't. Yeah, they use some soprano, and I'm, you know, a deep baritone, as you can tell. (laughs) I Uh, love it. But we did our own tapping, you you know, our own footprints. We went on stage and and did the, the numbers, and they got our feet doing everything.
0: I I'd love, just a couple of quick things I got to point out. But Marilyn Monroe is such a legend. And you talked about the fact that when, when she would walk into the room, even I love this, even Liz Taylor melted away around her. It was like nobody paid attention to Elizabeth Taylor because Marilyn Monroe was there. Was she that commanding of a presence? You know,
1: she had that inner glow that was almost like a big Hollywood clique or spotlight shining on her at all time when the first time i ever saw her and in fact it was the only time uh she was on frank sinatra's arm frank was giving a party a birthday party for dean martin and the hollywood uh you know literati were were sitting at the table the beautiful people and liz taylor then met married to eddie fisher was sitting opposite me and she was at the height of her beauty then But when Marilyn walked into the big showroom on Frank's arm, it was like thunderstruck. Everybody just went, oh, my God, that platinum hair, that gorgeous figure. And she was not a a petite little girl. She was, you know, she was a size 10 or 12. Mm. And but there she was in a spangly white dress and a white fox draped over her shoulders. And she just took everybody's breath. And all eyes left Elizabeth and went to Maryland and stayed there for the rest of the night.
0: Uh, now, did you see any trouble in her? The the drugs or anything like that was that present, or was that a surprise to you I as didn't, time went on?
1: Because of course, I I didn't get to know her at all. I, I, I sat there with my mouth hanging open, thinking she was just too uh, divine for words, and she was very, very sweet and very nice. But I never really got to know her. I'm sorry to say, uh, I was too too young, really, you know, to to uh, have understood what was happening. But oh my lord, what a beauty and what a memory she left with me.
0: I have to take you into my world of growing up. You were in The Twilight Zone and Gomer Pyle and Andy Griffith and Holly, well, Hollywood Squares and Perry Mason and Cunsmoke, 77 Sunset, Sunset Strip. So people, again, who are listening to you and know that voice, yes, every show you ever watched, and certainly in the 60s and beyond, you were in. Um, but we, and by the way, I, Jim Neighbors became a good friend of mine, actually. He was one of the most amazing people, you could ever. one of the nicest, kindest people you could ever meet, and I'm sure you found him to be the same.
1: I totally agree with you, and um, we were blessed enough one year to go over to Hawaii and spend part of the Christmas holiday with him and his friends, and he had several dinner parties for us, and I'm happy to tell you that Debbie Reynolds was with me on that jaunt, and it was such fun to be with him, and I had known him for years uh and he never changed he was always the sweet kind self-effacing man and and i write about this in the book about when he had to have the the transplant yes and he, excuse me he was about 5 days from death i think and all of a sudden a miracle happened and there was a, you know a kidney and it was just unbelievable what happened so i i thank Uh, the Almighty, for giving him the number of years that he got, and um, I'm so grateful to have had him in my life as a very good friend.
0: Yeah, I remember he was ready to call it a day, and Kel Burnett pushed on him, and, and other friends did. This is about you and not me, but I'm going to tell you a very one quick one quick Jim Neighbors story. Hey. We were having lunch one we were having lunch one day uh, in Hawaii and uh, at a hotel where he said he was with Andy Griffith, and he, and I guess Andy didn't really like interacting with fans and stuff. So he and Andy were sitting on a couch in the lobby, and they see these women sort of staring and pointing, and Andy says, "Oh God, here we go. We're going to have to deal with these fans coming over." And they walk over to him and look at Andy and said, "Sir, would you move over? You're blocking." The flower arrangement. We're trying to take a picture of it. Isn't <laughs> <laughs> that great? What
1: great a story. wonderful story! Thank you for sharing that. Y- yeah. Oh, that's all right. Let's
0: beautiful. Beautiful. I that, loved that's... it. Oh, he was. Yeah, he was great.
1: That suddenly brings Wait. humility into the picture.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Let's talk, Lucy Ruda. As you wrote in oh. the book, there was television before Lucy and television after, but it was never the same after. And I thought that that absolutely. Captures Lucy. It was never the same after she entered the scene, and she had a reputation for being being pretty tough to work with. But yeah, you say that was to her a plus for her.
1: Yeah, it, it was a plus for her. She 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 really would brook no foolishness on the set because when you're working with four cameras, now some of your audience won't know what we mean by that. But you you choreograph your moves and where you're going to be on what line, and you have to hit those marks, because if you get too far into the shot, your nose will be covering somebody else's close up uh, because of the four cameras, and so you it's like choreographing a ballet, and you have to learn the routine and uh, and the dialogue that goes with it on you know in space, and uh, so she was a tough mess taskmaster, but she was also so generous and so loving and so wonderful. And I asked her several times to to be my either an honoree for the Thalians or to uh, be the honorary chair of an event for me or whatever, and she never turned me down, which is kind of mm. wonderful. So we we became good friends. Yeah. And uh, you, by
0: the way, Have you come across the you know her daughter Lucy who was on my podcast just a few weeks ago? You know they have these Let's Talk with Lucy podcasts. Have you heard any of those? Yes,
1: yes, I've done them. Uh, Did you do one? I I, I I did. I I have not. First. Okay, I have not. Well, yeah,
0: I've got to. Okay. Yeah, I've got to listen to it. I've got to find it.
1: She is living in Palm Springs, and uh, I have a house in Palm Springs. So every once in a while we we get together. I should get together more, but well, I don't know where the time goes. She's a terrifically talented and wonderful girl. Absolutely wonderful.
0: Yes. A good friend of mine was Kay Ballard, and, and he, she owned oh. Desi Arnez's home. And I stayed oh, with her Paul, for a weekend and slept in Desi's bed.
1: <laughs> if... I love that. I love that. Yeah. She and her darling dogs, you know, and I'm a dog person. So... Yes. Yes, me I have too. a wonderful picture of her surrounded by her dogs on, in my entry in Palm Springs. So I say hello to Kay every day.
0: Uh, actually, I have the pillow she had on her bed for the dogs. So oh, along with a picture of God her. Yes. Yeah. So you and, I, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's... you and I could talk for days. Um, yes. let, we've got to touch. Let's touch base with the world of game shows. You did so many of those. Um, and of course, you, you especially High Rollers is the one I have to mention uh, because you worked with Alex Trebek. And what a legend he became in time.
1: And not only a legend, but also my very dear, dear friend. We became best friends the first day we said hello. Uh, Heater and Quigley were the producers of High Rollers and the producers, of course, of Hollywood Squares, which I regulared on. And um, I did a lot of shows for them. And when Mary Markham, who was one of the associate producers on that, suggested me for uh, High Rollers and I met with Alex, of course, we're both Canadian-born. He's from Ontario, I'm from Quebec. And so we had something in common right off the bat. And then Alex's first wife, Elaine, uh, became one of my altogether best friends and still is to this day. And then wife number two became a best friend and still is to this day. And I've got to tell you that approximately five days before Alex went on to meet his maker, we all had dinner at wife number one and husband's house with wife number two and Alex and me as guests. (laughs) And Uh, what a very special kind of farewell it was to be laughing and scratching with Alex. And of course, I'm so proud of the fact that he did the forward to my book and he's on the back cover with me and, uh, He is an adored friend of mine, and thank God his beautiful wife and children are happy, lovely people. And uh, he's left a, a beautiful taste in America's mouth, and I'm so glad that he was my friend
0: indeed and and of course I have to mention you did the dating game a few times making the point that you never actually went on the dates but there was one time and I have to ask you, you didn't you didn't clarify this in the book there was one time where you turned down Shecky Green who of course is local Chicago boy so we're big Shecky fans here you picked somebody else but you went to Nepal and so you said I'm going and you went on a oh, great trip yeah. but you never you never said who that was with so was that not with a star was it just a regular no, person
1: just you know they had uh, the three you you get to pick from the voices of three men with snappy answers, right. you know. And and uh, Shecky's were just too damn snappy. You know, I thought, oh, he's so full of himself, I couldn't, I, I didn't know it was Shecky. <laughs> and so I picked some nice gentleman yo-yo, you know, <laughs> that was there, and so I went on the trip, and it didn't matter because, you know, we had chaperones and all of that stuff. But eventually I did date Checky every once in a while, and I liked him very, very much. And to this day I like him a lot. He lived in Palm Springs for a long time, but now he's back in Las Vegas again. And so I don't see him quite as often. But uh, what a terrific guy he was, and what a fun show that was. And wouldn't I have been an idiot if I didn't go on the trip, normally I'd say, ah, just take, have whoever the guy is take his date. And, and it was, you know, to the Sacramento River Barge or to the something. I said, ah, I don't right. need to go. But this was a trip to Nepal, to a place called Tiger Tops. Gotta go. And so, oh, I, I want everybody to go there. It was the most extraordinary experience to be taken by elephant from the plane to the hotel and then go up a ladder to these cottages that were built in the arms of the trees. Oh, it was an incredible experience.
0: Yeah, usually the dating game was sort of like, hey, we're going to send you to the Olive Garden, have a nice time in heaven, and, have a, and you're, you're right, I read exactly. about that trip, but I would have exactly. gone
1: too. Exactly. So,
0: people need to read the book to get the stories of Charlton Heston drinking champagne out of Betty Davis's shoe, which gave me a little oh, bit of, kind of, yes. throw up my mouth a little yes. bit And <laughs> with that one. And, um, and your grandmother being on Johnny Carson, and you auditioned for Ginger on Gilligan's Island. I'm simply tempting people with those stories, because we don't have time to talk about him, but I want I to wanted just look into Ruta Lee a little bit deep with the few minutes we have. First of all, you were married. Your husband, Webb Lowe, was not an actor. He was a, a restaurant guy. Married him on yes, Valentine's Day, 1976. He was, Day, 1976. He uh, was yes. one of those uh, uh,
1: American dream come true stories of starting out as a counterman in his late teen years uh, at McDonald's and wound up executive vice president of McDonald's. Now, you know, these stories are plentiful in America. If you're not afraid to work hard, you can accomplish miracles. And uh, so I suggest that to everybody who is still young and thinking about what the hell they want to do. Anything you want to do, you can do. Just work hard and uh, don't complain.
0: And what's beautiful about that, I know you lost him a couple of years ago. Um, you had one marriage. I mean, this long 45 more years with one person. You know, Hollywood, on. has the imi- yeah, Hollywood has this know, image it, of you know, 57 happens- marriages.
1: It, it it was a darn good marriage. I mean, we smiled and laughed our way through it, and uh, I, I am just so grateful so that when I think of him, I don't get sad. I think of him with a great smile because he colored my life beautifully, and he was... The most patient man, you know, because I'm bouncing off the walls and and very gregarious, and uh, I've never met a stranger, and uh, he was so patient with all of that. And if there was a long line of people to come backstage after a show and and to get an autograph, he would make sure that everybody got in, and he'd come out and say, there was a couple that are too shy to come in. Why don't you come out here and say hello to them? Mm. That's the kind of guy he was. So uh, girls, look for a guy like that when you can
0: yeah. And uh, you, the, the book ends with a beautiful portrait of him. So, so nice. Um, I do not want to talk politics with you, but I have one question because you, you're upfront with it in the book that, you know, you're pretty conservative. I know you, you were at the 72 uh, Republican convention. You said, hey, Frank Sinatra leaned right. Uh, various people, you know, are more conservative. Hollywood has this liberal, you know, look about it. And the truth is, it, I don't think it's as liberal as people think.
1: There are a lot of closet conservatives. Let's put it that way. Nobody yeah. wants to talk about it because you're afraid of anything that, you know, you won't work, you won't get hired for this because they're so liberal, blah, blah, blah. And Hollywood is very <clears throat> liberal at the moment. But there are still conservatives like me, and I, I always say I'm right of Attila the Hun, you know. Uh, yeah. But I am very, very conservative fiscally, but I am as liberal as you can get socially. I want everybody to live as best they can, the best way they know how. If it isn't hurting anybody, it's none of my business what you do or where you do it or how you do it. I couldn't care less about that. But I do care about taxes. I do care about the dole. I do care about giving money away to people who don't deserve it. Uh, I am, I've worked with charity all of my life. I've done Nothing but work hard to raise money to help those who can't help themselves. But we're giving our way too much money to people who can help themselves, who find it's easier to sit home and watch television than it is to go out and look for a job.
0: And, and fair enough, and we could talk about what like getting through the Trump years was like, but let's not do that um, uh, because we're, we're about out of time. But I can't end the interview without talking about your passion for dogs. I know you either have or you've recently had four of them. I'm a huge dog person. Um, I've got shelters here that you know have adoption rooms named for me, and on and on and on. You and I are oh, really I'm kindred spirits. So proud
1: spirits. of you. That's wonderful, Paul. I'm so glad to hear that. Well, I just uh, adopted another one from a shelter that I I'm, I've been very fortunate with. All my dogs are are. Uh, shelter dogs. And uh, this Me one too. is the cutest damn thing I've ever seen. I have a terrible feeling he might be deaf, but who cares? He's gorgeous, and he's wonderful, and he's filling the space in my heart that uh, I lost when one of my little ones, an itty-bitty little handful of a dog, got picked off by either an owl or a coyote. I don't know if oh. it all happened so fast oh. that I don't know. But it's okay. I've I've now got another one so that my heart doesn't bleed quite as much.
0: Well, again, I'm with you. In fact, as we're talking, my dog Matthew and Miles are right right here with me. Matthew um and Miles. they are my heart. Oh,
1: wonderful. <laughs>
0: yeah. And, and I also know you're you're, you know, very, very dedicated to not not just domestic animals like that, but animals of the world. I mean I really I really respect that about you because I share that love with you.
1: Well, I belong, uh, and I'm on the board of the Orangutan International, and it's so frightening to think of what's happening to these beautiful animals that are so close to us, you know? Uh, I mean, they're the next thing to being human, and uh, they're being eradicated uh, by the deforesting in Borneo, of the gorgeous habitat that they live in and thrive in because everybody wants to plant uh, those damn palm trees, you know, for palm oil. And it just breaks my heart because the mothers get killed or the fathers get killed and then these babies are left to fend for themselves. So... uh, A wonderful friend of mine, Dr. Beruta Galdikas, who happens to be Lithuanian as well, has dedicated her life and her family's life as well to the preserve of these wonderful orangutans in Borneo. And um, she does visits on ships and cruises and whatnot to raise funds. And thank God there are people all around the world that care, that care about the beautiful animals. We should be The stewards and the guardians of these gorgeous creatures that can't fend for themselves against high-powered rifles, you know?
0: And that's where I wanted to to end our interview because that topic's so important to both of us and to our listeners. If you felt like, my goodness, these they're everywhere from '60s television to the Rat Pack. To, yes, and Lee's life has been everywhere from Seven Brides to Seven Brothers, uh, all the way through those wonderful television shows and game shows and important issues and concerns in in life. Lee I was I mean I knew a lot about your life, but I reading your book was just like sitting and having coffee with you, which is why I guess I feel so comfortable with you because I feel as though we just we just share stories. As I read the book, I encourage everybody to pick up a copy of "Consider Your Ass Kissed." Yeah, I, I guess I can't let you go. You the, the the title of the book. People are like, "Why would she come up with that?" And uh, that's a quick story well, you have to tell quickly. George Panaccio came up with that, right?
1: exactly, and it's an expression that I've used because I've been in the fundraising business for Hollywood for Mental Health, The Thalians, and I beg anybody that has an extra dollar or two go to org, and you'll know all about us, and we are taking care of our returning veterans, the beautiful young people that are willing to put their lives on the line for America no matter where we send them, and then they fall through the cracks when they come home, you know, and especially when it comes to mental health, so Operation Mend Heal the broken bodies, we Thalians are trying to heal the broken mind and spirit. And uh, whenever anybody gave me, whether it was $5 or $50 or $500,000 for my Thalians, I would say, please consider your ass kissed. And I meant it from the bottom of my heart with full Full sincerity, bringing up, brimming over. So, thank you for letting me explain it. And George Pinocchio said, "If ever you do a book, that has to be the title because you mean it, and I do <laughs> consider your ass kissed."
0: Right, and his wife was your fashion designer, so you had to yes. honor that.
1: Yes, I do. The I book do. is uh,
0: the book is "Consider Your Ass Kissed." The author is Rudy What a life! What a story! It you can read it like I did in one night. Uh pictures and stories and it's just amazing. Rudalee, thank you for what has been an incredible career that still has another fifty years to go. You are I such a joy so, and a darling, pleasure. And
1: I thank you. I am so honored that you would share your audience with me. May may God keep smiling on you, your audience, and above all, dear God keep smiling on America.
0: Rudalee, thank you so much. Love you much. Bye for now, dear.